You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we recap the Jets' brutal loss to the Senators, Plus, look ahead to Patrick Liney's return to Winnipeg. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for tuning in once again. And um, wow, I'm surprised, but not really surprised by what we saw at Canada Life Center Thursday night. You know, I, I joked earlier in the week that, you know, the games against the bottom feeders like Arizona and Ottawa, those games scared me more than the Vegas matchup because the Jets have this awful, awful tendency to allow the lesser thans to skate out of Winnipeg with two points. Yet, lo and behold, here we are. One step forward with the win against Vegas, and about 20 steps back. Outshot, outworked, outhustled, outscored, out everything. And a 5-2 loss to the Senators on Thursday. I mean, just absolutely zero urgency from a club so desperate to pick up points. I mean, you could have watched that game and sworn you were teleported right back to October for game one of the preseason. Just no intensity by the Winnipeg Jets throughout that entire game. And then you have the play of the forwards, which, quite frankly, was a pathetic lack of effort in this game. And I always hesitate to play this card because saying that is kind of the easy way out. I mean, usually things are a lot deeper than just somebody isn't trying hard enough. But my God, I've seen the old-timers at West Kildonan Arena on a Saturday morning put more into a back check than what we saw against Ottawa Thursday. That, that was the most apparent thing for me, that the countless times Jets forwards could have got back into the play, could have forced a turnover, should have turned a two-on-two into a two-on-three. I mean, help support a pinching D-man. You can go on and on, but there was just nothing in terms of hard work by the Jets, for just kind of the bare minimum as a professional athlete. All three phases of the ice. There, there, there was a lack of interest towards putting in an honest effort. And I tweeted out through the first 40 minutes, just my disgust at 
The Winnipeg Jets really not doing a whole lot to make life difficult on the Ottawa Senators. But I thought, you know what, maybe it's a rough 40 minutes. They can find a way to turn it around in the final period of a tie game. And basically what is a must win, they're all must wins for the time being moving forward here. Maybe they can find a way to turn it around and push past all that. But nothing changed. It was the same old, same old. And the freaking Ottawa Senators just took control of that game. They took it over and they took it away from the Jets. Now, I'm, I'm glad Dave Lowry made note after the game that they didn't get enough from their forwards in terms of effort. That, that they needed a lot more from everybody. But while I appreciated that, I wish he would have went a step or two further. Like, go ahead and mention the leadership core. Throw a guy or two under the bus. I know you're not supposed to name names. I know things are said behind closed doors, but come on. A public berating every once in a while is necessary, especially after an effort like that against one of the worst teams in the NHL this year and for the past four or five seasons as well. It's just inexcusable right across the board. And then once again, that leads us to this point where we play the guessing game and all this. And it's just, how does this continuously happen? Right? Like, how, how, how do we joke about it, but kind of no going in to a game against the Senators, the Jets have a decent chance of blowing it and doing so in, in pretty spectacular fashion. And, you know, everyone's got their theories on this. <laughs> Everyone in Winnipeg has an opinion on what it is. Unfortunately, I just don't think you can pin it to just one thing. Like, that would be the easy solution there. It's, it's this one specific issue, and if that gets solved then the Winnipeg Jets are good to go moving forward. I just, I don't think it's that simple. It's a little bit of everything right now, right? It's, I mean, the coaching has been a big part of this, whether it's Paul Maurice or Dave Lowry these past couple of seasons. Uh, coaching has to be a lot better. But having said that too, you're going through two, three coaches now with relatively the same core group of forwards, and you could throw in a defenseman or two in that as well, and the play of the guys that are out there on the ice is nowhere near to the level that it should be. Like, there needs to be a ton of blame thrown towards the players and all this as well. And then you can go right up to management for, you know, Kevin Shovelday allowing this to happen, right? Like, ultimately, the buck stops with him, and he's got to find a way, whether it's through coaching or, or through players and, and moving some of those guys or finding a new mix of players. He's got to do a better job to make sure efforts like what we saw against Ottawa don't happen as well. So it's it's all three of those things which comprise a hockey team that the Winnipeg Jets need to find improvement in. And that's the difficult, tricky part of all this is, is trying to figure out, I guess, what, what the core issue and what the root of what's rotting right now in Winnipeg is. And, and how do you fix that quickly? You know, I got a tweet during the game from gojetsgo underscore 17 on Twitter. And he asked me, you know, while, while we were kind of going back and forth about the disgust of the Winnipeg Jets play in the game, but he asked me if I was GM, what would I do to turn this thing around in the offseason? And, and maybe that should be the focus of this episode here. And while I would love to dive into that right away, you know, we got a, we got a lot of time before next season, so we're going we're gonna to save some of our bullets on that one. But I will say this without giving too much away here. I believe Kevin Shevoldayov has two realistic paths, and he can only choose one of them this offseason. The first will be to either believe that a new coaching staff from outside the organization can come in 
and instill a defensive structure that's lacked for at least five years with this team, that's the way to go? Or he's either prepared to lose a trade or two to reset the culture and highlight what's important to being a Winnipeg Jet. I, I don't think you can have both. You, you've got to make a choice here. Either it's we're going the Calgary Flames route and a Daryl Sutter-like coach can come in and instill life and structure into this team or we move a guy or two out. And it likely hurts in the short term, but in the long run, this team is much, much better off. And a new group emerges. A, a new, younger leadership core takes control and, and gets the keys and, and tries to move things in a positive direction. I, I think I think the Minnesota Wild are a great example of that, moving past Parise and Suter. And you're seeing they haven't really missed a beat. If anything, they've gotten even more explosive this past season, right? So that's going to be the line that Kevin Chevaldeoff has to walk here. He's going to have to choose one or the other. It'll be fascinating to see which path he thinks will bring the Winnipeg Jets back to contention. Either way, something's got to be done. So Something drastic and massive has to happen if you want to see significant changes because performances like the one we saw against Ottawa, inexcusable and, and cannot happen moving forward with this much talent on the team. And I'll, I'll say this too before we move on to a different subject here, but... With how bad the Jets played defensively against Ottawa. And you could even make a case, a large chunk of the Vegas game too. Like, if it wasn't for vintage Hellebuck, it could have been four or five plus goals in that one as well. Despite the team getting the win. But this team is playing so poor defensively. And I never thought I'd say this, but when you're talking about new coaches and new coaching staffs, you want to get the Winnipeg Jets playing defense the right way you want to have a defensive commitment inside your own zone the Jets are playing so poorly against some of these bad teams that it makes me think John Tortorella is the right answer I I, I don't know if I don't know if Winnipeg is melting my brain in in this sense but man he you, you know he would come in here and take care of that side of things and he might make a couple he might make three, he might make four or five forwards specifically a little pissy and a little bit upset about how he's treating them, but the Jets would be a much more difficult team to score against. There's no doubt about that. So I kind of wonder if that's a potential fit down the road. I, you can tell that I'm you know, laughing and then smiling a little bit here, but may, maybe it's the fact that it's almost midnight. Maybe it's the fact that it was another loss to the Ottawa Senators, but... I, I I do wonder if you're wanting to keep this group around and you want to find out who has it in them, Torts would be the guy. Like like Torts would figure it out there. I, I wonder how many people out there feel the same way or or if maybe a different voice behind the bench is needed. But I'll tell you what, for anybody around my age, you know, in their early or mid-30s <laughs> in, in Winnipeg, there was, for anybody that played hockey... My, my parents used to scare me and my brothers with this lady who was named the Dragon Lady. And it was essentially like a skating boot camp program. And she would yell and scream at you, but you would come out of it a much better skater, a more conditioned skater, all that sort of a thing. And that's how they kept us in line. And I kind of wonder if Torts is like the, the 2022 Dragon Lady when it comes to NHL teams. Like maybe the mere mention of him 
forces the team to play better or you bring him in and you might not like it, but he'll get results out of it. And hey, you look back at his tenure in Columbus, not as much talent as he has here in Winnipeg, but I mean, they took down the vaunted Tampa Bay Lightning. They're the last team to beat the Lightning in the postseason, right? Almost took down the Bruins and made it to the conference finals. They, they were a tough, tough out anytime they faced a team in the postseason. So, some food for thought. Let me know on Twitter, at Brandon underscore Wiki. Am I crazy or am I crazy like a fox? And is maybe John Tortorella the, the elixir for what ails the Winnipeg Jets right now? There's no better sign that things are wrong in Jets land, if I'm talking about John Tortorella potentially coming over from ESPN to coach the Winnipeg Jets. But hey, who knows? Maybe it works. Either way, we'll move on from that. A few other notes from the game, and then a very interesting visitor coming to town for Friday night that, that kind of snuck up on me. Maybe it did for you as well. We'll get to that. We'll end things quickly here. I'm pissed about the game. I'm pissy about Canada soccer losing to the Costa Rican diving team. I'm in a bad mood overall. So we'll wrap this thing up relatively quickly here. But before we do that, we do got to give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. The NHL season continues to move on and DraftKings Sportsbook has your shot to win big too. Remember, new customers, if you bet just $1 on any team, you get $150 in free bets if they win. Super easy and super quick to make a ton of big bucks. As Sportsbook isn't available where you live just yet, Still a chance to light the lamp. You can play for huge cash prizes every day with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so easy to forget with the result being 5-2. But the Winnipeg Jets were just six minutes away from grabbing at least a point and maybe sneaking out of there with two against the Ottawa Senators before everything hit the fan. And it was basically blink and you miss it. It's it's 4-1 and curtains on the Winnipeg Jets in this one. Now, it wasn't the game-winning goal, but for all intents and purposes, it was the game-winning goal. The second one from the Ottawa Senators to take the lead 2-1 with around six minutes left. What the hell happened there? I mean, it was a it was a comedy of errors, right? It's it's one of those goals you might laugh at, like at the end of the season, but right now you're pissed off about it. There, there were just a number of catastrophic breakdowns on that play. And of course, it wouldn't be a goal against for the Jets if you didn't have Poor effort from the forwards, failing to get back, failing to cover on an attempt of a pinch by Logan Stanley on that play. So, I mean, there's step one of the recipe for failure for the Jets on that goal allowed. But having said that as well, for a a bit of defense on the forwards, you know, if you're Logan Stanley and you're almost, I mean, you're seven feet tall in skates, if the puck's going over your head, maybe don't jump for it. I mean, that's another part of it too. It, it, It was... It was misguided at best for Logan Stanley to try to keep that puck in. Probably better served just turn it around and trying to deal with a two-on-two going back the other way. So you don't have support from the forward. You have a jumping Groot in Logan Stanley failing to keep the puck in. And then the cherry on top is Nate Schmidt just 
played the crap out of that one in the worst possible way. I mean, this was the beginning of a Nate Schmidt disaster class here. But it, for a guy that's been a really high-end contributor for a number of teams for, for a decent amount of time, just surprised at how poorly Nate Schmidt played that two-on-one. And again, a, a lack of aggressiveness, you know, a failure in terms of making a quick decision, kind of paralyzed and really just giving up too much time and space to the Senators forward to allow that pass to go across the other side. But this is this is where, especially in today's age and with how much video is played into it, how much analytics are played into it and everything like that, defensemen need to be way, way more aggressive on the puck carrier when it comes to a two-on-one. And, and really... The move needs to be made that either you attack the puck carrier right at the blue line or if they're along the boards, you know, force them to make a decision quickly or at the very least, you don't allow that pass through, right? Like the pass going across is is basically game over. Like it's as good as any goalie is in the NHL right now. It's just, it's almost impossible to stop going cross ice that quickly. So you can't allow that pass to come over. And you got to trust that Connor Hellebuck's going to make a save one-on-one. So, I mean, that's part of it too. But at the very least, if you make a quick decision there, even if the puck does get across, at least Hellebuck is set and not kind of, you know, desperation diving to try to stop it. You have a former Vezda winner that's set one-on-one against a guy like Tyler Ennis. You might still like your odds if you're the Winnipeg Jets on that one. So, three separate errors really all culminate and to the Ottawa Senators grabbing that goal. But for me, Nate, Nate Schmidt's, you know, lack of commitment to really anything on that play is, is kind of what stood out to me the most. And his poor play continued after that. I mean, Brendan Dillon immediately takes a penalty, what was it, 10 seconds after that on a, on a poor clearance attempt. That's a couple games in a row where Brendan Dillon wears the goat horns when it comes to taking a penalty late in the game. But then Nate Schmidt doesn't really do a whole lot of anything on the penalty kill. He's, you know, kind of taking these big looping circles and allows Connor Brown to make a nice move in tight on Connor Hellebuck to essentially put the game away at that point. And then there were there were a couple more miscues from Nate Schmidt from that point onwards. I, I think actually the fourth goal. Again, Nate Schmidt does a poor job on the rush defending that one. It's, you know, it was a good 20 or 30 game start to the season for Nate Schmidt. And his play has really, really tailed off since then, hasn't it? And, you know, maybe maybe the demotion to the third pair with Logan Stanley has played a part in that. It, it, it really appears evident the two just don't play off each other well. But Dylan DeMello has clearly outplayed him and, and 100% deserves to be on the top pair right now with Josh Morrissey. It's a little bit ominous as to what you do with Nate Schmidt moving forward because it's going to be tough to move that contract. It's, I, I don't know, I don't know if, unless you had a, a pretty significant asset, how the Winnipeg Jets are going to find a way out of that. So, yeah, the, the hope might just be that next season you hope for a turnaround in his play because it's it's going to be tough to move on from Nate Schmidt. Hopefully you get 20 to 30 game in Nate Schmidt next season than the guy that we've seen these these past couple of weeks in particular. But man, oh man, it was, the forwards were 100% at most to blame for this loss here, but Nate Schmidt did not cover himself in glory in the last five or six minutes for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, we'll try to be a bit positive here, but let's talk about the two acquisitions the Winnipeg Jets made at the trade deadline coming in. 
a not a debut, a debut for Zach Sanford, and then a reappearance for Mason Appleton. So how have the two looked in their first two games since coming over to Winnipeg? You know, if we could pick one forward that I, I think had himself a pretty damn good game against Ottawa, it, it would have been Mason Appleton. I, I thought, you know, when we talk about effort, that wasn't a lack of effort from Appleton in that game. I, I thought he was really, really noticeable, did a lot of the little things right, wasn't afraid to get physical, was actually trying to pressure the Ottawa defenseman inside the, the offensive zone as well. I think he's looked pretty good his first two games back. I It looks like he hasn't really missed a beat going back to his previous season with the Winnipeg Jets. I'm excited to see if he's paired back with Adam Lowry, just what kind of damage Mason Appleton can do once again. I'm really, really hopeful for him this year and moving forward into the next couple of seasons as well. Zach Sanford's been okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't really have a strong opinion on him one way or the other. I, I think he's been fine, you know, especially for a fifth-round pick. He's been fine. He really can shoot the puck. I mean, that's noticeable on, on the couple of chances that he has gotten. He's got an absolute cannon. But I I doubt that he is a third-line guy. I, I really wonder... I, I wonder what Chevy sees in him to think that Lowry Sanford Appleton is going to be... Maybe not necessarily an improvement on the third line of the Jets this season, but if that's something that's going to be a difficult task for opposing teams to handle, I think I think Sanford as a fourth liner is is a great spot. I would totally be okay next season if Zach Sanford was a winger on the fourth line. I I just think there's a lack of foot speed there, a lack of nippiness with the puck as well, that is going to prevent him from being an impact player on the Jets' third line moving forward. But two games in, we'll give him a bit more time and. Maybe have a clearer sense by the time this season ends what the future plans might be for Zach Sanford. Now, the Jets do have a pretty busy schedule, obviously, upcoming here. And this weekend is a bit of a doozy as well. You have the Coyotes, I believe, on Sunday. But most importantly, the Jets do get right back at it on Friday night. And unless I'm wrong here, this is... Patrick Laine's return to Winnipeg as the Columbus Blue Jackets visit town. At the very least, it should be his first time playing in front of fans in Winnipeg. Either way, I'm calling it the Patrick Laine return game here. And it comes at a very interesting time, too, with the Jets, you know, losing this game to Ottawa, likely to miss the playoffs. Columbus, not likely. Columbus will do the same. They will miss the playoffs there. But... I wonder what the fan sentiment is revisiting the Line A Dubois trade from, I guess, a, a couple of seasons or a season ago now. I, I wonder how people really feel about that, just seeing how those two players specifically have played this past season. I mean, during the shortened season, you could, you could almost wipe out both of their years. They just, neither of them had it, right? Dubois, as we all know, was... Not the guy he's been this season, and then Patrick Laine was a bit of a mess as well. This year, though, they've both been great. And I, I wonder how many fans would redo the trade right now. If if Yarmo Kekalainen first day of the offseason said, you know what, Chevy, I'm I'm willing to I'm I'm willing to go back on our, our bet here. I'll give you Line Roslovic. Give me back Pierre Luc Dubois and a third round pick, I guess it was, right? I wonder how many Jets fans would be open or willing to do that trade. Because right now, Patrick Liney is over a point-a-game player. And if he hadn't gotten injured, he'd be he'd be pushing 
Kyle Connor at the very least, but he might be making a run at 50 goals himself this season. But the assists have jumped up in a big way for him as well. His shooting percentage has skyrocketed back to where it was his first couple years in the league. You can make the case that, you know, I, I wonder how close it would be as to who's a more impactful player right now. Patrick Laine or Pierre-Luc Dubois. And then you have Jack Roslovic thrown in there as well, who I think looking at this season and last season, combining the two together, he's, he's probably a 40-point guy moving forward for the next handful of seasons. Look, I love me some Patty. I, it was sad watching him go. I, I was in the same boat as a number of people that thought, oh man, the Jets just traded away a generational goal scorer here. And if you worked with him a little more and, and were maybe a little bit easier on him, you could find a way to coax the best out of his game. Like I, I really didn't want to see Patrick Laine leave. And it's pretty awesome watching how good he's been in Columbus this season. Having said that, though, would I, would I do the trade all over again? It's, it's tough because with the composition of the Jets roster, I, I don't think I would. Just because Dubois, while he's not as prolific in the points department as Patrick Liney is right now, Dubois, it really changes the complexion of the Jets forward group. It's just Winni- Winnipeg is so loaded out there on the wing, they had to move somebody, right? They had to move somebody to find reinforcements down the middle. Now, you could make the case, should it have been Ehlers, Connor, because you have found a way for, for somebody, right? But like, ah, I don't know, is this, is this just one of those cases where it might be a win-win for both sides? You know what I mean? Would, would Lanny have ever gotten to the heights that he is in Columbus right now in Winnipeg with the with the group that's there right now I, I I'm not so sure that's the case so it's I don't know it's it'll be bittersweet watching him in, in in Winnipeg in opposing colors just because you thought you know what you get lucky in the lottery this kid's gonna be a jet for the next 15 years and it, it shouldn't have ended the way that it did but I guess at the very least if you're gonna move a guy like that you got to get a high-end piece back and the Jets did do that and, and while Dubois not a point-of-game guy this season, he may never be that. The fact that he's a center, the fact that he's big as hell, physical, nasty, gritty, a lot of the things that the Jets need more of in their forward group, the fact that he brings that, I think, mitigates some of the more dynamic offensive skills that, that Patrick Line has. So if I had to come down to it, I think it's a win-win for both sides, and I think both teams are, are pretty happy with, with the return on the trades that they got. I will say this, though. Not going to be a shocker to me whatsoever, regardless of what the the final score is. If we don't see Patrick Laine pot a couple of goals on Friday night, I'm not going to be surprised by that at all. There are certain guys that just rise to the occasion in in instances like that. I mean, go back to the the first game against Austin Matthews, the Laine hat trick, right? I'm just not going to be surprised if we see a couple Patrick Laine celebrations. Hopefully. There'll be a, a few Pierre-Luc Dubois ones as well. But I, I got a funny feeling that we'll see Patrick Liney and here Patrick Liney's name announced once or twice when it comes to Columbus Blue Jackets goal scored on Friday night. But we'll see what happens. And, and that's where we'll leave today's episode. We'll wrap it up for the weekend there. We'll be back at it on Tuesday morning. Like we touched on, a few games for the Winnipeg Jets in that time span. The matchup against Liney and the Blue Jackets on Friday and then, I mean, hopefully it's not a repeat of the game against the Senators when they take on the Arizona Coyotes on the 27th. We'll break down those two games and then get ready for a matchup against the Buffalo Sabres on March 30th. 
Until then, though, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. We'll be back at it on a Tuesday morning. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe, everybody. Peace.